How many of you have ever had a job that you absolutely hated? No, no, don't raise your hand because your employer could be in this room right now. But I'm just saying, I'm just saying, how many of you have ever had a job that you absolutely, it was hard to get up, you hated everything about the job? So I, I had a job like that one time. I've, in my life, I've had about 30 different jobs. Most of those jobs were in the younger part of my life. But um, my wife and I uh, had been at a church. I was an associate pastor, youth pastor at this church, and, and things just didn't pan out so well. So we found ourselves both jobless, and uh, after a period of time, we really, really needed a job. So I was talking to a buddy of mine, and he said they're, they're hiring down at Seagate Technology. Seagate Technology made a computer disk drives over in Scotts Valley, right next to Santa Cruz, where I was living. And so, okay, went down there, Karen and myself, my wife, we applied for the job, got the job. And the job was assembly line work. Anybody ever done assembly line work? Okay, you just, like, just want to just shoot yourself every day if you do assembly line work. Because basically, let me show you what it is, okay? See this little tiny screwdriver that I have right here? So for me, uh, I had two people in back of me on my, my assembly line, and I had uh, a person in front of me, and then there was a line next to me and a line next to him, and there was like uh, probably about eight different lines in the room. So this would be eight to sometimes 12 hours a day. So, uh, you know, I'm sitting down, and the guy in back of me passes it up to me, and I take this little screwdriver like this, and I go, okay, pass it up to the person in front of me. Eight hours a day, sometimes 12 hours a day, and it was just like the most mindless, torturous thing. I could hardly wait for the 15-minute break that we got once in a while. And to make matters worse, I just come from a situation where I had a lot of freedom. I had my own office. I actually I had my own secretary. I had freedom to go do what I wanted to do. I actually had to raise my hand to ask if I could go use the restroom. So you can imagine what it felt like for me to, to, to get up in the morning and, and to go to work. Well, today we're going to kind of circle around the big idea of work. And our place as Christ followers in, in the workplace. And the question is, how do I make a mini ministry difference in what we, we would call this the marketplace? The marketplace is work. It's wherever you work. Have you ever thought about how much of your life is consumed by work? It's a lot. It's a lot. And, and, and so the question is, like, what, how does God view work? Do you think that he views it like a lot of people do? Or like work is a bummer. It's something, it's something you have to do. You just want to get over work. Actually, God has a very, very high view of work. As a matter of fact, if you go to the book of Genesis, you'll discover that God himself worked in his creation process of this world for six days, whatever that six days looked like. And, and then when he was done, he stood back up from it and took a rest and said, man, it's good. It's really good. It's, it's good work. And I would have to agree. As I look at this world today, God, man, you, you really worked hard and you did a great job. But that, that's the way that God views work. In fact, the, the Hebrew word for work, it actually means service or craftsmanship. And God did a beautiful job on so many places around the world. And it actually means worship. God sees work as part of, of, of our worship. Now, having said that, I wonder how many people have kind of a disconnect with your faith and with what's going on with you and God and work. Like, I, you know, like tomorrow's... I hate to say this, but it's Monday, okay? And, and for some people, it's like, oh, why did you say that? You know, I was, I was enjoying myself till now. Because, because of the, the work thing, right? And, and sometimes there's this disconnect between my faith and, and my work, and there shouldn't be. And this is one of the things we want to talk about today. Who we are in Christ goes with us wherever we go, even including our work. Now, for the last several weeks, we've been talking about submission, 
mutual submission. The Bible says in Ephesians, where we've been um, the last couple of chapters, chapter 5 and 6, it talks about this mutual submission. Submit yourself one to another out of reverence for Christ, Ephesians 5.21. So what does that look like? Well, for the last few weeks, we've been talking about that, and we talked about it, first of all, that it actually means that we want another, that we, it's not about me, it's about we, that, it, it, I, that we are other people-centered. That's what, it, that's what we're talking about, that we submit to each other out of reverence for Christ. And so we've been talking about what that looks like in our relationships, and then we've been talking about what that looks like in, in marriage. I talked about that a couple of weeks ago. And then Tony, who just did an awesome job, if you were here last week, talked about what that looked like, that mutual submission relationship looked like in, in raising children. Today, we're going to talk about that and what it looks like in the workplace. So if you have your Bibles with you, I'd like you to go to the book of uh, Ephesians again. We're going to finish this portion of Ephesians today. And we're going to look at beginning with um, verse 5. Now, I'm going I'm to immediately hit on a couple of words that you're not going to like. So I'm going to give you some context to it, all right? Because you're going to look at this and you're going to go, what? So let, let me read it to you. Um, the very first word says, slaves. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear, with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. So slaves and masters, you're like, what the heck is that about? So let me tell you what the heck that's about, all right? This was written in the first century. This was written in, in, in the Roman Empire. There were thought to be um, around 70 million slaves or something like that. Maybe it quite that many. It was two, let me put it this way. Two-thirds of the Roman Empire was enslaved. Now, when you think of slavery, we have a tendency to filter it through our American slavery way of thinking, like that it worked that way. Not necessarily. Now, let me just say this. Slavery is never a good thing, and the Bible is never pro-slavery. Uh, I've heard actually people make that statement. They go, the, the Bible supports slavery. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. The Apostle Paul, you can follow him, and he would say things like, if you can get free, if you can find freedom, however you need to do that, then, then do it. So the Bible is not for slavery. You need to understand that. But also understand that as the Apostle Paul is writing this, that is the reality of his world that he lives in. It's, it's all over the place. Now, what did slavery look like back then? Well, there was indentured slaves. There was degrees of slavery. So a lot of times, because the Romans were always conquering somebody, um, these people would, would be enslaved in a certain sense. And Now, in, in, um, in those times, you could, I was doing some research on this the other day, most of the time, by the time you were 30, you could buy your way out of slavery. Many of the slaves were very educated people. They had families. Um, so life is almost kind of normal, but not completely normal. Like, again, slavery is never a good thing. Uh, I was reading a stat the other day that said, there are 70 million slaves today in the world. A lot of that's human trafficking. Just know that, that, that God is not about slavery. He wants to set us free from that in any area of our life. So having said that, now here's, the, here's what I want you to substitute, okay? So instead of slaves, you're going to be employees or workers. Instead of master, you're going to be employers, okay, for the rest of this, this time. Everybody got that? Are you with me? Okay, no more slaves, no more master, okay? We're not about that. All right. Now, I know some of you are thinking, no, you haven't worked for my boss. Okay, here we go. And he says, obey them not only when their favor, uh, when they, their favor, when their eye is on you, but also as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not people. 
Because you know that the Lord will reward each one for whatever good they do, whether they are slave or free. And masters, and this would be like employers, treat, treat your slaves in the same way. Do not threaten them, or, since you know that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven, and there is no favoritism in him. All right. I need to talk about this. Get up, pray up, show up. So what is, what's our approach to work? So going back to um, 1984, I think it was, about that time, uh, when I was working for Seagate Technology, I just got to be honest with you, getting up was really difficult. I didn't want to get up. I didn't want to go to work. But you know what? I had to because I, I had my wife and myself, and we had to pay our bills. And uh, right shortly after that, we were going to be expecting, so got to do what you got to do. So, so, so you got to get up. Um, and, and, then, and then you got to pray. So for me, you know, that's why the, like that first cup of coffee that I have, see, that's when the Holy Spirit shows up. I, I have that first cup of coffee, and then I'm inspired, and I, can, I pray. And I always, always have prayed before I went to work, but I, I don't know if I have ever prayed like I prayed for that job. And, and it, for, for me, it wasn't like... Um, God, you know, just, just because it's so wonderful, it was more like, God, I just, I'm having the worst time. Uh, most of the people in my room were on drugs, and I don't blame them. I wanted to take drugs. I really seriously wanted to smoke dope before I showed up work. It probably would have made everything a little bit better, but I didn't. I wasn't, I don't do that. And so I was like, okay, so I'm going to pray up. God, prepare my heart. And then finally, it was just about showing up. Now, let me, let me talk to you for a moment about, as if, for instance, if you work for somebody, about showing up. Did you? My, my dad uh, was a business guy and um, had a lot of employees throughout his life, and I got to see both sides. I got to work for my dad, and I got to also um, hire people for my dad at one point in his business, and so I got to see sort of the employer, the employee side of it. And, and so maybe you've never thought of it this way, but do you show up on time? You see, if you don't show up in time, you might just go, well, you know, it was just five minutes, or it was just ten minutes, and that was my ten minutes. So actually, no, you just ripped off your employer. And maybe never thought of it that way. I, I heard something the other day that was not particularly surprising to me. But did you know that the highest time for social media is 9 o'clock Monday morning in the country? Why would that be? Well, because somebody's on Facebook. Somebody's on, on Instagram. Somebody's on you know, whatever social media thing it is, or, or they're on their phone doing something. Um, so, and, and that's just what you're doing is you are actually ripping off your employer. If you leave early, you're ripping off your employer. If you're hanging out in the hallway, hiding from your employer, you're ripping them off at the water cooler, whining about how crappy your job is. Now, maybe you never thought about that. So get up, pray up and, and show up. He says it this way, slaves obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. And then, if we, if we have that attitude, we won't need a babysitter, right? We, we'll have a good work ethic, even if we don't like our job. And all of us, at some time, probably are going to have a job. Maybe you, have, maybe you walked in here this morning and you go, wow, you're talking to me. don't like my job at all. Okay. I think we've all been there at some point in time. But we shouldn't have to have a babysitter or in, because we are Christ followers, because we want to bring our best. We shouldn't need that. As a matter of fact... What you and I should bring to the culture, the environment, and the room that we work in, or if we're in the military, or, or, or whatever place that we're working, we should bring the best so that we actually are the people that raise up the level of whatever is going on in that room or that place. We are culture changers because of who we are. 
Uh, there, I mean, it's, it's really not that hard, folks, because a lot of people just aren't working hard. We've all been in those environments, you know, they're complaining, they're whining, they're not, they're not doing their best. So if you do, you shine. People are like, whoa, what's, what's with you, man? Um, he says, obey them not only to win their favor when their eye is on you, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. In other words, have you ever been, and again, don't raise your hand from this one, have you ever been in those places where as soon as the boss walks out of the room, whoever the boss, woman or man or CEO or business owner, and everybody's just going to go, and then, you know, they're just doing their thing, and now it's time to get on the phone and walk outside and have a cigarette or whatever, and it's just like, what? What just happened here? Paul's saying, no, that's not us. That's not who we are. We're better than that. When everybody else is walking out of the room and they're cheating on the boss, not us. We're still working hard. We're bringing our best. Because we're not serving, at the end of the day, the boss. We're serving the boss, Christ. It's about him. We're honoring him with the way that we work. So what God wants to do is he wants to develop our servant's heart to do ministry in the workplace. When I, I finally figured it out over at Seagate Technology. Hated the job, driving me out of my mind. Oh, man, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Putting these two screws in all day long. I'm, I'm making a living. I'm, I'm glad. Thank you, God, we're able to pay our bills. What am I going to do? And then I began to think about everybody in the room. You know that, that one another thing? And like, well, this gal over here is having some real issues. And like, she would talk about it. And this guy in front of me, well, the guy in front of me was stoned every day. And, and these people over here are having family problems. And so I, I began, in my prayer time, it was like, well, how can I make this? And the room was very toxic. I'm like, how can I make this a better place? And so I began to wear a smile, which was really difficult. And, and I began to look around the room and um, think, well, how, how can I make this a better place? And, and so I began to talk to different people about what was going on with their life. And it wasn't very long after that I began to discover that, that all these people had serious problems. And, and uh, I just began to talk to them about how God could help them and how God could make a difference in their life. And so after a while, it changed everything for me. It actually became a ministry for me. And maybe you've never, ever thought about the place that you work is like that. You're like, no, nah, uh, my place doesn't, you know, it doesn't roll that way. Maybe it's, it hasn't because you haven't tried it. Like, what, what can you bring to the, where you work that maybe you haven't brought up to this point? How can you bring ministry to, to that particular place? He says, serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not people, not people. Yeah, I, I hear people go, you don't know my boss. My boss is a jerk. I can't stand this person. Well, here's the deal. Who are you really working for? And this, this solves it right here. I'm working for God. I'm not working for him or for her. I'm working for God. One time, Jesus was teaching, and you'll find this in Matthew chapter 5, and he made a statement that's really interesting. In fact, it probably doesn't translate really well to, to the year of 2018. He said this. He says, if somebody asks you to walk a mile, walk two miles. Now, you and I today, we're like, Okay, what's that all about? But again, Jesus was speaking to people that were living under the, 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 the rule of the Romans. And, and, and the Romans had, uh, in fact, many of the soldiers, oftentimes they would come up to people and say, I want you to carry my stuff for a mile. And, the, and the, if, if the, a Roman soldier asked you to carry the stuff for a mile, you were obligated to do it. And so what Jesus was saying is, 
What I want you to do is I want you to show them what it means to be a follower of mine. And so I want you, I want you to show them that you're better than just walking a mile. Can you imagine? A soldier comes up to you and goes, hey, carry my stuff. Like, all right, you know. And then you go, you know what? You look like you're kind of tired. Maybe you had a tough day. I'm going to go too. What do you think about that? Man, that would just take the wind right out of a soldier. That would, that would, they were like, wow, who are you? Nobody has ever volunteered to go two miles. See, that, that's what Jesus is wanting to do inside of you and I. That when we show up at our place of work, we bring something extra above and beyond. One of, the, one of the greatest figures in the Bible, and I love this guy, is a guy named Joseph. Many of you know the story of Joseph. You'll find it in the book of, of Genesis. But, but, but Joseph had these 11 brothers, and uh, they were super envious of him. He was dad's favorite. How many of you are the favorite in the family? Yeah, you're just messing up all kinds of family dynamics. Don't you know that? <laughs> all right. So, so what happens is his brothers, because they're envious, they sell him into slavery. And the next thing he knows He's in Egypt, he's about 17, 18 years old, and he's working for a guy named Potiphar. And, 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 and you know, his life is, is brutal. I mean, he's in a country that he's not familiar with. He has to learn their language, he has to learn their customs. So this is really, really a difficult time for Joseph. And if anybody ever had a right to be kind of angry at God, it could have been Joseph. Like, really? I'm a slave? You know? And, but he's over there, and he's working for this guy, and he has the best attitude ever. It's like, wherever Joseph went, he just brought value to it. So much so that in this particular environment, and undoubtedly there was all kinds of other slaves that were there, but there's something about Joseph. And it says, when his master saw that the Lord was with him, I want you to catch that part. When he saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything that he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and he, he became his attendant. Like what happens next. Potiphar put him in charge of his household and he entrusted his care to everything that he owned. In other words, at some point, Potiphar went, you know what? You've got my back. You care about this place. You're invested. You're working hard. Here are the keys. Just, I'm going to entrust you with everything. Wow. And I, I love the fact that he said, because he got the God factor. He got the connection that Joseph was a servant of God. Well, that was just the beginning with Joseph. You know, you can read on. There's a whole lot that goes on in his story. But one day... Because he's faithful in the little things, and God just keeps elevating him, he becomes the prime minister of Egypt, second only to Pharaoh in all of Egypt. He, was, he worked hard. He had a good attitude. Here's the thing. If we're, not, if we're not grateful for the job that we have, how can God give us the, the dream job that we actually want? You know, have you, here's what Jesus said. Jesus said, if you're not faithful in the, in the little things, how can I trust you with the big things? And I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, yeah, I got this crappy little job, you know, and it's paying some bills, but that's not what it's about. It's about that job. Guess what? In God's economy, you're never going to get that job because you're not faithful with the little stuff. If he can't trust you working at some little piddly job and you're just going, oh, this is beneath me, God goes, no, it's not. It's a job. A job is a job. It pays bills. It's a blessing. Then how can I trust you with more? Now, here's the thing. That, and this, this is just a little advice that might help some of you. Maybe some of you just recently got a job or something. Have you ever noticed that for most, not, maybe not all jobs, but have you ever noticed that for a lot of jobs that the first day or the first week or maybe even the first month or maybe even the first year is really difficult? Like there's a learning curve. 
And it's, you know, it's, it's difficult, right? You're, you're like, oh, I'm so stressed out. I'm, you know, I'm trying to do my best and I want to learn this job. And, and my advice to you is like, power through it. Deal with it because on the other side of that job is probably something really good. Let me tell you about one of the funnest jobs that I ever had. So when I was in college, I needed an afternoon job. And I just, I really did. I had to pay some bills and things. And so I went down, everybody, all my friends kept saying, go to the Santa Cruz Sentinel. They have some really good jobs. They pay well. So I went to the Santa Cruz Sentinel newspaper and uh, they had these paper route jobs, car paper routes, that, and they, they did pay really well. So I went down, I interviewed with Mr. Berlin, great employer, still remember him. And uh, he says, okay, show up, show up Monday and uh, we'll have a woman who's gonna, you're gonna be taking her route. And so you'll just like be with her for a week. So I'm thinking, Okay, this can't be too difficult. And so on, on, on Monday afternoon, I climb into her little tiny VW bug, and she's a really nice lady, but she's a chain smoker. And so she's got the windows down, and the smoke is blowing in my face the entire time. She drives like an absolute demon. And it's a 65-mile route through the Santa Cruz Mountains. So she's just zigging in and out, and I almost puked a couple of times. I mean, I'm sticking my head out the window. I'm like, God, please just get me through this. I just don't know if I can survive. And, and so we got through the first day, and I just remember going back to my dorm room, and I was, my stomach was pretty upset. And then I did day two, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then finally Friday came, and I was still feeling pretty terrible. And, and, but I survived. I survived. I was like, oh, wow, God. got through that week. Mr. Berlin says, okay, Monday, it's your car. You're on your own. So I show up Monday, and it's still, you know, it's, 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 it's not nearly as bad, but it, it's, it's a little scary, and I'm missing people, and I have to go back and everything. Week three gets better. Week four gets awesome. Week four, I'm going, this is the greatest job ever. I'm cruising around the Santa Cruz Mountains. My window's down. My music is up. And I'm going, wow, this is so much. 350 newspapers, and I did it in about two and a half hours. Beautiful sights. I'm just enjoying it. I did that for two years. It was one of the best jobs I ever had, and I got paid really well for it. Why am I saying this? Because maybe right now you're at the beginning of a job, and you're going, it's just so difficult. I want to quit. And my word to you today from the Lord is, don't quit. Hang in there. It'll get better. Okay? All right. Let's talk to, I'm gonna, now I'm going to talk to you employers. I'm talking to those who work for somebody. Let, let's talk about the employer. Servant leaders make it easier to be a good employer. How many of you have ever heard of Simon Sinek? Simon Sinek. Okay. Um, Simon Sinek is a, um, he, he's a, leads a, a network of leadership. He's, he's an author. Uh, he's a professor at Columbia University. He talks a lot about leadership and workplaces. And so there's a little scene here, a little clip. I want you to check this out. The one thing I am comfortable saying that all effective leaders must have is courage because it is hard. It is hard to stand up against outside pressure. It is hard to stand up to an external constituency who's pushing you to do something for their short-term gain, to do the right thing for your people. It is hard. It is thankless. It is lonely. Um, it sometimes, sometimes you get fired. Sometimes you get in trouble. Sometimes you'll lose your job, and the next guy will get all the credit. It's all true. And the courage to do the right thing in the face of overwhelming pressure, only the best leaders have that courage. Only the best leaders. And here's the folly. Courage is not some deep internal fortitude. You don't dig down deep and find the courage, right? It just doesn't exist. 
Courage is external. Our courage comes from the support we feel from others. In other words, when someone, when you feel that someone has your back, when you, you, you know that the day that you admit you can't do it, someone will be there and say, I got gotcha. you. You can do this. That's what gives you the courage to do the difficult thing. It's not going off to an ashram by yourself somewhere for four weeks and coming back and finding the courage. It's not what happens. It's the relationships that we foster. It's the people around us who love us and care about us and believe in us. And when we have those relationships, we will find the courage to do the right thing. And when you act with courage, that in turn will inspire those in your organization to also act with courage. In other words, it's still an external thing. That's what inspiration is, right? I'm inspired to follow your example. But um, those relationships um, that we foster over the course of a lifetime um, will not only make us into the leaders we need to be and, and hope we can be, but they'll often save your life. They'll save you from depression. They'll save you from um, giving up. They'll save you from any matter of you know, negative feelings about your own capabilities, your own future, when someone just says, I love you, and I will follow you no matter what. I heard two, two things that really stood out to me in that, and it's courage and relationships. One another, one another. As an employer, caring for your people, looking out for your people. He says, masters, treat your slaves in the same way, or employers, treat your employees in, 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 the, in the same way. It's really about kindness. It, it's, I, I, when I think of kindness and I think about a good employer, I always think about my dad. My dad really cared about his employees. I knew that because he would come home and he would talk about them, not in a disparaging way, but he'd always talk about uh, what was going on with their lives. And some of them, they'd be going through a divorce or they'd be going through a difficult time. Many times my dad would loan him money if they were going through a hard time financially. But I knew that he cared about his employees. The bummer is because I was part of their working crew when I was younger, I realized they didn't care so much about him. And that was a bummer. And that was my opportunity to shine and show them a, a better way. But it goes, it goes a long way. Um, we, in, in the New Break uh, world, in the New Break campuses, I want to read to you from a few employers um, and, and uh, what they had to say about this. So let me tell you who they are first, uh, not their name, but just kind of what they do. So this first one is a director of training, helicopter sea combat wing uh, for the Pacific for 12 years, also a curriculum control authority, naval special warfare command for six years, so 22 years in the Navy. And this is what uh, this person says. Uh, he was asked, how has your relationship with Christ affected the way you treat others at work? He says, previously, I was less than forgiving of others' mistakes or, or failures to perform. I was so focused on achieving the desired outcome that I failed to consider the impact of the individual. The mission was the primary focus of everything I did, and how I interacted with my subordinates, peers, and other leaders was colored by that perspective. My relationship with Christ has enabled me to have a softer heart towards others, to learn about who they are, where they come from, and to truly want to help them be the best they can possibly be, both personally and professionally. I have found that as I have drawn closer to Christ, I have also drawn closer to those around me, ultimately by caring more about the person than the mission that we have collectively been able to accomplish so much more than we had previously. Um, this one is a school nurse. I actually know this school nurse. She's an awesome person. Um, at a public school. She's been doing that for five years. She says, and the question is, how has your relationship with Christ impacted the culture or environment at work? She says, I try to keep my environment in my office to be a, a calming and peaceful space 
somewhere where students can come and feel cared for no matter what they're going through. Being in a public school, I can't outwardly express my love to Christ, but I truly believe actions speak louder than words. And therefore, I have pictures hanging in my office of all my mission trips that I've been on. Students always ask what I did and where I went. And I tell them about my experiences and how humbling it is and, and, and encourage them to give back to the community somehow. The students can see where my heart is, which is loving everybody no matter what. This next person is a deputy sheriff, and they've been so for 17 years. How has your relationship with Christ affected the way you treat others at work? The question was asked. He says, well, transporting, while transporting people that I arrested, I would find myself judging them and their current life situation until a small voice in my head would say, God loves that person just as much as he loves you. That reminder would open my eyes to what I was doing so that, would, uh, so, so that I would start praying for them. I also try to set a good example for my fellow deputies of how they should treat others, and many have made changes. Are you seeing how being a Christ follower can change everything? It can change the environment, and change the people around us. And, and lastly, this is a school principal, been a principal for 11 years. How has your relationship with Christ affected the way you treat others at work? They said, out of the grace and love that I've received from Christ, I give grace and love to parents, students, and staff. It also helps me to give people the benefit of the doubt and not make assumptions about why they do the things they do before I find out, before I really find out. It also helps me to take respectful, to take disrespectful behavior, excuse me, it also helps me not to take disrespectful behavior personally and enhances my ability to be patient with others. When I consider how patient God is with me, that God still loves me, and that God still gives me grace, how can I not bestow that on others? Just some good words from people that are serious Christ followers about how, as employers, people that work for us, how we can really change the culture and change the environment and let people know that we really want another, that we really care about them. Paul says, by the way, he says one another 40 different times. In the New Testament, over 100 times, it says one another, pray for one another, love one another, encourage one another, help each other. Over and over and over, it says that. Verse 9 here says, Do not threaten them, since you know that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven, and there is no favoritism with him. So the question is, and I want to leave you with this, how can I honor God in my work? So just for a moment, I want you to think about your work, where you work, what's going on, the environment, and I want you to think maybe where you're at. Where's, what's your attitude today? How are you feeling about it today? And how can you honor God there? By the way, I, if you say, well, right now I, I don't have a job, okay, okay, but you probably will be. I'm, re, I'm retired. You don't get off the hook. If you're a retired person, there's still going to be times that you're going to be able to invest in community in different places. All of us can, can bring our very best. Well, well how, how can I do that? Well, work whatever job I currently have by putting just every day, just giving our best. Why wouldn't we? Why would we ever show up and go, this is a slough day. Today, I'm not bringing my best. And see it as an act of worship to God. Determined to treat my bosses, coworkers, employees with equal respect. So important. It, we should always treat others the way that we want to be treated, right? Golden rule. So if I want you to respect me, shouldn't I respect you? I should never ever look down on you, ever. 
And then consider how I'm representing God in my workplace. The moment people know you're a Christian, everything changes. The moment that you say, yeah, I'm a Christ follower, everything changes. Because now they're looking at you in a different way. They're going, oh, okay. So what does that actually mean? What does that actually look like? How does that change anything? And you're there to show them. You're there to show them that you're going to bring a different attitude. You're not going to be the one at the water cooler griping about the boss. You're not going to be the one stepping out, stealing from the boss from time. You're not going to be the one doing social media when everybody else is. You're different. You're going to bring value to wherever it is that, that, that you work. Excuse me. Yeah. There we go. Last slide. What's the purpose of your work? To show that Christ is at work in you. That's, what, that's really what it's all about. I've been I'm really filtering this message through my heart and my brain and everything a lot this week. And, I, and, I, and I, I've been thinking about all of you. I didn't know who was going to show up, but I was just thinking, like, what is, what is that? The words that I speak... What, what is that going to be like to hear that? And then how is that going to impact them? And we've been, we've been talking about loving each other and not making it about the, the me, but the, the we and for these several weeks now. But, I, but I'm wondering, maybe in this conversation today, maybe you've realized something. And maybe what you've realized is you're really not that serious about Christ as you think you are. And today, God's been speaking to you. No condemnation in this room. I'm just, it is what it is. And if you're here today and you're saying, yeah, I, I, I never really thought about it that way. And I, wanted, I need to do better. I have to do better. I, I want to be the one in, in, in the place where I work where people are going to say, there's something different there. It's a better attitude, a better heart, a person who cares, a person who's courageous. And, and if that represents you today and you say, I, I just, I got to step my game up. I'd like you just to respond. And I want to, pray for you. I want to pray for you. So if that's you today, and there's no condemnation, I'm just saying it is what it is, and you want to get more serious about your relationship with Jesus, and you want to bring it to work, would you just raise your hand? I just want to have a prayer for you. Just a prayer for you. Yeah. Good. All right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Father, I thank you that you understand us so well. You know our flaws, our weaknesses. You know that sometimes we kind of lose heart. Sometimes we almost want to give up, but yet there you are, supporting us every step of the way, loving us unconditionally at all times. And so, Father, in this room right now, let there be nothing but grace for us. But also help us because of your grace, because you forgive us over and over and you love us so much to be able to take things to the next level and to be able to say, Jesus, we're going to bring our best. With your help, we're going to do it. And there was a lot of people that responded this morning and sensing that that's what they need to do. Take their faith to work. Be the agent of change at work. Be the person that people will look at and say, what's going on there? It's different. It's better. And so for every person in this room, help us to be the people. Not the kind of people that people talk about and say, see, they call themselves a Christian and it's exactly what I thought. They're a hypocrite but the kind of people that bring something special to work. People can say, okay, I, I like what I see. 
I pray this in Jesus' name.